Well, good evening. I'm glad that you're joining us today to worship our God on this Wednesday evening service. I know many of you are uh, praying that God continues to bless Grace Centers of Hope and provide the food and the dollars that we need to keep uh, Grace Centers open. And God is doing just that. Wonderful things are happening. Today I want to continue our study of the seven sayings on the cross. And I'm going to take the fourth saying. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew 27 and the 46th verse. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabastina, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here is a photograph of our Lord's saddest hour, the record of his dying words. Christ, the helper of man, came to save sinners. He loved sinners, yet instead of their hearts, they gave him a cross. Instead of love, a cup of gall. Instead of their hands, a thorny crown. And beneath his cross, there was not so much as one voice to lay down the testimony. The man who hangs on the middle cross is he whom my soul loveth. Forsaken by men, or father, or mother, is a sad and a desolate thing. But when we think that God had restrained and kept back for this time all of his joys and comforts and sense of love from Christ. How unsearchable is the thought. This verse contains the fourth memorial saying of Christ upon the cross. Words able to rend, I believe, the hardest heart in the world. It is the voice of the Son of God in agony. Our Lord is now in the darkest part of his way. He has trodden the winepress alone for three hours and is almost finished. His soul is sore distressed and overwhelmed with grief. I do not believe that history or even eternity contains a sentence more full of anguish. We can strain our eyes and gaze till our sight fails us, yet we shall not perceive the bottomless, measureless, unfathomable, inconceivable anguish of the Lord Jesus. The anguish of our Savior can no more be measured and weighed than the sin which needed it or the love which endured it. We shall only be able to measure the height of his love by the depth of his grief. I cannot see all that is here, and what I can see I'm not able to put in words for you tonight. We cannot comprehend, so let us simply adore. The view these words present is almost too awful to be realized. This was the judgment day of the Savior of the elect. Oh, that his sudden, loud, piercing, agonizing cry would arrest your attention on this night. Thrill and haunt your heart today. 
There could be no feeling in the universe more distressing than that of divine desertion. This is hell. This desertion came at a time when all earthly comforts had forsaken him. All outward evils had broken in together upon him. The best of men stood afar off, and none but barbaric enemies were around him. Pains and shame of all sorts were weighed down upon him, and to fill up his sufferings, God gave himself, giving his Son, stands afar off too. Christ could now say, All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Every human being is called upon to weep as we view Calvary. For it was not for him, not for him was the cross on which he bled, a tree of shame, but for us. God help us to sit down with bowed heads and streaming eyes at the cross of Golgotha. The old songwriter said, Near the cross, near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. The cross is the throne of grace. It is the fount of the water of life, of every blessing. Let us hold on to Jesus, sink or swim. As for me, if I am ever lost, it shall be at the foot of the cross. Oh, behind this brazen wall of substitution, the sinner is safe. And how we rejoice in that truth. Christ had been silent for nearly three hours since the commencement of the darkness. He's now finding himself in the conflict of the ages. He was inward torn with anguish and overpowered with grief. Who here in this house tonight can tell what it means to be forsaken by God? And yet, that's exactly what was taking place. At last, his anguished soul burst forth, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His murderers heard, his disciples heard, the demons in hell and out of hell heard, and yes, the Heavenly Father heard. What was the reason for this forsaking by God of his own Son? God never acts without reason. You see, Christ was the sinner surety. He stood in our room. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Romans 5.12 said, Death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Yes, physical death and much more. Spiritual death. Penal death. Penal desertions are such as are afflicted the just reward of our sin. This penal desertion inflicted on Christ was for the satisfaction of the sins of ours, which deserved God forsaking us forever in hell. God's forsaking Christ for a few hours was the equivalent of God forsaking you and I for eternity. 
Here we see the awful wages of sin, spiritual separation. Here is the great gulf that was fixed. Christ here experiences spiritual death. Christ must suffer or all humanity must be damned. He received the wages due his people. All his other sufferings were but small to this. They bear upon his body. This desertion was upon his soul. Our guilt became his guilt. Under the physical suffering, he opened not his mouth, but this touched the quick. Christ bore the sinner's sin. Therefore, he had to be treated as he were a sinner. Christ had to feel forsaken of God because this is the necessary consequence of sin. He went down into the deep abyss of our guilt. He descended far down into the depths of our misery that he might raise us up to glory. The Father must have seen sin on him, the sins of imputation. He was bearing our sins in his own body on the tree, 1 Peter 2.24. He was bearing the chastisement of our peace, Isaiah 53. That chastisement which was due us was death. It was penal death, eternal separation from God. His sufferings were equivalent to all which our souls should have suffered there throughout eternity. I ask you, was he forsaken for you? You who leave this world lost shall experience this in final judgment. They shall be punished, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1.9, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Unto the wicked Christ shall say, Depart from me, ye cursed, banishment from God's presence, eternal exile from God is what awaits the damned. Calvary's hill may well be called the hill of division. The smiling, approving look of the great judge cannot fall upon a man who is viewed as standing in the place of the guilty. Think about it, sinner. If this terrible cry, which was wrung from the Son of God when he was afflicted and smitten by God's righteous anger, what shall be your cry in that great day of judgment when he says to you, depart from me? This cry shall be the perpetual shriek of them that are cast away forever. Thank God, Christ was my representative at Calvary. He shall never forsake me, for he forsook his son on my behalf. I shall not suffer for my sin. Jesus has suffered to the full in my stead. He discharged my debt. He was forsaken that there be no longer any separation between me and God. Why, he said, hast thou forsaken me? What words of interrogation? Forsaken. Is there a sadder word in human speech than this? What is the great cause of such a strange fact that God would forsake his son in such an hour? Let us ask ourselves, why or for what was he forsaken? 
Why was Christ under a suspension of that joyful and intimate communion with the Most High God, his Father? Matthew 27, 24. He was guiltless in the criminal courts of Pilate. Pilate's wife could find no fault. The thief could find no fault. He was guiltless in the spiritual courts of heaven. 1 Peter 2.21 says, He did no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He knew no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, Yes, he was yet without sin. There was no cause in Christ. Why then should he be forsaken? This was not the question of an enlightened soul. He knew and expected no answer from heaven when he asked the question. Christ inquires as to the person who forsook him. Notice this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was his burden. This was his grief. God was absent from him. His own father was withdrawn from him. Christ seemed to say, by night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will arise now and go about the city and in the streets and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Such was the Savior's experience that no human intellect can conceive and no language can express. This desertion of the Father was more burdensome than 10,000 crosses. The fierce flame in hell is separation of the soul from God. Oh, what darkness of desertion. Neither God the Father nor God the Spirit appeared for his help. His Father had dried up the stream of peaceful communion and fellowship with his Son. This was no more a phantom of gloom. It was a real absence which the Lord Jesus mourned. It is not, why has Peter forsaken me, or why has Judas betrayed me, but my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His one moan was concerning his God, his Father. It is not God's way to forsake his own, and yet he forsook his own Son in the hour of his tribulation. He has promised us, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Even in death he has promised to abide near and hear him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Lord was visible to the Hebrew uh, children in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God did not forsake them as they walked in that fiery furnace. Why then did he forsake his own son? And I know that you're answering that question in your own heart if you are a believer at this present time. Here was the crowning manifestation of God's wrath against sin, his holiness and justice. You see, our sins cost Christ an amazing sense of the wrath of God. It is here that God declares his determination never to allow sin to be trifled with. As we look to Calvary, surely we are astonished at the perfect holiness and the stern justice of the lawgiver. Romans 3 and verse 25 through 
26. He cannot look upon sin, Habakkuk 1.13. God exhibited his holiness and satisfied his justice by pouring out his wrath on the one who was made sin for us. Why hast thou forsaken me? Because thou art holy. Christ drank the cup of the Father's indignation. Here we see the dreadful anger of a sin-avenging God. All the divine judgments which were let loose in the Old Testament, such as the flood, or Sodom and Gomorrah, or the vials of wrath which shall be poured forth during the horrors of the great tribulation, nor the weeping and wailing, nor the gnashing of teeth of the damned in the lake of fire, can compare with the demonstration of God's inexhaustible, inflexible justice and his infinite hatred of sin, as did the wrath of God poured out and flamed out against his own son on the cross. You see, God's holy character must judge sin, even though it be found on Christ. Abraham, when beholding the Lord, said, I'm but dust and ashes. Job said, Wherefore I abhor myself. Isaiah said, Woe is me. Have you seen how holy God is? Well, surely you can see it here. When our sins were laid upon him, he forsook his own son and punished him in our stead and room. Let us abhor the sin which brought such agony upon our beloved Lord. What an accursed thing sin is, which crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great things that is missing today, and the truth is, you'll never be found until you're lost. He only finds lost people. You have to be a sinner and understand your sinnership to see the greatness of the glory of what happened there at Calvary. I want to invite you, those of you who see your sinnership, uh, to come to Christ just as you are, without one plea, believe on him, and know assuredly that Jesus Christ on the tree of the cross paid your debt in full. He said, it's finished, it's accomplished, it's done. Ask this question that Jesus asked and give the answer, the right answer. God forsook his own son. God didn't forsake uh, Meshach and Abednego. God didn't forsake Daniel, but God forsook his own son. And that reason being that you and I were sinners and justice must be satisfied. And it can truthfully be said tonight that he is just and the justifier of the ungodly and that salvation is of the Lord. Praise God.